Hey everybody, welcome. I'm Gene Martz and this is the Paychecks Business Series podcast and video if you're watching me on video right now. Very, very happy that you are joining us. We've got a great guest coming up. Uh, Eric Eversall is the president of Hiring Our Heroes. I had a really interesting conversation with Eric recently about what his organization does. Uh, the fact is that they, they take veterans, people that are uh, serving in the military, they're on, you know, getting out of active duty, and they place them with employers. And they, they do a lot of work with small businesses. And listen, guys, our biggest issue right now is finding good employees. You know that is becoming more and more of a problem. And here is a resource that will help you do that. So we'll talk all about the ins and outs of it and what you should do to be prepared and the pros and cons of hiring people from the military. So Eric, uh, thanks man for joining us. I'm really, I'm really pleased to have you on. Oh, it's my honor. I'm really glad to be with you today. Where are you speaking from right now? So uh, uh, just outside of uh, Washington, D.C. in McLean, Virginia. So it's um, yeah, capital. Very cool. Very cool. So um, Let's start. Let, let's talk a little bit about hiring our heroes. What exactly is the organization? Give us a history. Tell us a little bit about what you guys do. Well, hiring our heroes is a national grassroots organization that works to help connect service members and military spouses with great employers across the country. And we really started out when there was a national crisis in veteran unemployment back in 2011, when a lot of our service members, especially those under the age of 25, we're being shipped overseas, coming back home and transitioning out and finding a really tough job market. Unemployment at that time for veterans under the age of 25 was nearly 30%. And so, mm-hmm. you know, from the chamber's perspective, we are part of the US Chamber of Commerce. We wanted to leverage what we had at our fingertips immediately to help these service members. And for us, that all started with hiring events, leveraging our state and local chambers, coming into town, and, and hosting great hiring events for companies across the country. Uh, and that's how we really got started. Uh, as we've grown in the, in the veteran unemployment uh, situation has been less about employment, but about more about a strategic opportunity. We've shifted our tactics significantly to really connect uh, transitioning service members and military spouses with companies that are looking to really amplify their workforce to meet the needs of a 21st century workforce. Are you like, Eric, you, you talk about connecting with companies. So initially, I think larger companies, but our audience are small businesses and small business owners. Do you do you discriminate in any way? No. In fact, we, you know, we started as the U.S. Chamber of Commerce, really thinking about the small and medium sized business. And quite candidly, um, the reason we made a decision back in 2011 not to charge companies, regardless of their size, to participate in our events was thinking about that small and medium-sized business. So all of our programs are open for small, medium-sized businesses. There's no charge, uh, which is important for these small and medium-sized businesses. And and we really want to connect that talent regardless of what size you are, because we know 70% of service members uh, go to small and medium-sized businesses. So um, you had mentioned about charging fees or whatever. So if I wanted to get involved, if I'm looking for somebody for my company, um, I have 10 employees in my business. uh, you know, am I being charged anything by you guys? Is there any cost to the employers? No, not at all. How do you guys get we, funded? Well, you know, through you know corporate philanthropy, quite honestly. So a lot, a lot of our partner companies are large companies that philanthropically know that from a strategic point of view, helping service members and their families find uh, meaningful career opportunities is not only good for their businesses, but it's good for their supply chains. It's good for the country. Right. Uh, so, you know, we, we rely heavily, uh, almost exclusively on corporate philanthropy to, 
to meet the larger um, needs of our from a money perspective. You know, uh, when I hear corporate philanthropy, I, I just got to be straight out with you. Like, so I'm a business owner. So many of my clients are also small business owners. We are struggling to compete against big corporations for good people. So as soon as I hear like, oh my God, you guys are, uh, you're getting corporate, you know, you know, money from big corporations. I'm thinking like, well, they're going to get first dibs and all the best talent and we're going to be left with nothing. So respond to that and make me yeah. ease my fears a little. Well, <laughs> look, you have to understand. And I think this goes to the larger military population. Uh, you know, when you look at military talent, this isn't just some big blob of people. You know, they're coming from small and medium-sized towns. They're com coming predominantly from a blue-collar background. Mm. So big corporations scare many of them to death. I mean, I grew up, you know, my background, I neither of my parents graduated from high school. We owned mm. dry cleaners in Bluffton, Indiana. Uh, I came from that small business, that, that blue-collar, hardworking background. And I, you know, big businesses, you know, the, the process of getting into big businesses and, and oftentimes the, you know, the, um, the concerns about feeling left out are really top of mind for a lot of service members. And so, you know, what I would tell you and any small business that's listening to this podcast is that, you know, it's really about understanding the population that you're re trying, trying to recruit. Mm -hmm. You know, military members and their family members, more so than any, anyone, are looking for a family to join when they leave their military service. They're used to uh, being a part of something that's bigger than themselves. And, and a lot of small and medium-sized businesses, you know, being the pillars of their local communities is exactly what they're looking for. So I think it really comes down to what small businesses do well, and, and that's your sales pitch. You know, make it about their personal experience and not something other than that. So um, you and I are having this conversation now. It's like April of 2021. Already um, the headlines, Eric, and, and this is gonna this is gonna be released right before Memorial Day. Um, so, and I am betting uh, it doesn't take me a crystal ball to know that you know, the, the headlines are going to be as they will be for the rest of this year. Uh, businesses having trouble finding people, um, right? I mean, already we're hearing you know retail, construction, manufacturing. So. Um, so fix that for me. You know, how are you guys gearing up to respond to that and to help businesses? It seems like you've got resources for us to take advantage of. How are you going to make those available? Yeah, you know, that's a, it's a great point. Uh, uh, you know, the recovering lawyer me has to, you know, talk a little bit about the opening question. I can't help myself. Um, sure. You know, but there was a, you know, there was a viral video of someone who, who posted a sign in a McDonald's. That you saw that. Yeah, I, I saw that as well. They were like, nobody, please don't yell at our existing employees. They're here. We can't, people don't want to come to work. Yeah. And I think so, you know, I think that as we think about this as a business community and as a country, you know, we're going to have to think about ways to um, incentivize people to get back to work and understand that there are near and long term opportunities. You know, I think for most military members, you know, and I think this is one of the strategic advantages of, of military service is that they're hardwired to, to really uh, work through a lot of adversity and a lot of change. And so when you think about, you know, um, a lot of the challenges that have faced most, you know, if not all Americans related to um, 
you know, work at home environments and kind of changing work landscape and jobs that may have been there two years ago aren't necessarily the same as what they are now. Service members, I think one of their greatest attributes that we've seen is their resiliency and their, their commitment to lifelong learning. Um, they know that in order to be competitive in a 21st century uh, work environment, they, along with all Americans, need to think about upskilling and reskilling as a way of life and not just some, something that you do once and you kind of wash your hands of it. So, you know, I think that as, as we think about this new workforce and, and think about, um, you know, how do we meet those needs, you know, understand that there's about 200,000 active duty service members who are transitioning out each year. There's another half a million military spouses who still face a 30% unemployment. And, we're, you know, businesses, much like our service members, have to think differently about recruiting talent. We can't recruit talent the same way that we did 30 years ago. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, you know, the, the, you know, the job posting in the classified ad is probably not going to work the same way it did 30 years ago. Mm -hmm. Sign out is not going to work, you know, like it did 20 years ago. Right. We have to be more strategic. And we're going to have to sell ourselves. I mean, we right. saw this with veterans, you know, and I'll wrap this up quickly. We saw this with our veterans, you know, 10, 15 years ago when companies started this effort. They said, look, we got all these great paying jobs, but I can't recruit any veterans. And I said, look, what are you selling them? What are you teaching them here? You just have great pay, great benefits. That's not going to be enough for this current generation, in my view. We have to really think about long-term inclusion uh, in the workforce and, and where it leads to greater opportunity across the workforce. You know, you're, you're raising, I, I made a note to ask you this, and now you're, you're jumping right into it now. So, okay, um, I do want to talk to you a little bit about the process for doing this, but but outside of the process, tell me, like, what should I keep in mind when I'm looking to hire somebody from the military? In other words, what mistakes do employers make? What things do they do that they shouldn't be doing? Give me some advice for hiring somebody out of the service. Wipe the slate clean. And not don't come at you know, the service members with any preconceived notions of what they can and cannot do. I okay. think a mistake that happens more so than not. We, we either um, have our preconceived perceptions of service members based on what we've seen on TV. Those are highly inaccurate. Or we, we get stuck in this viewpoint of looking at their resumes like we do with so many underserved populations based on the four corners of what's in their resume. Huge mistake. I mean, you know, as we look for a 21st century workforce, and, and I would say this with veterans, you know, there are things like grit and determination and willingness to, to problem solve and work in teams that you can't measure on paper anymore. Right. Just, it's a mistake. Uh, it's a huge mistake. And then, you know, we see this, especially with the military spouse population, who because of their own service as a military spouse, they're moving every two to three years. And I'll tell you right now, a lot of these military spouses, highly educated, highly motivated to work, can't get through an initial screening process on a resume because they have these gaps in, in, in their resume. You know, mm -hmm. moved or they have, you know, they've, they've raised children. And so what I would tell you is we have to get past the traditional way of, of how we look at resumes. Uh, and that's especially true with service members, simply because they were in the combat arms, an infantry person, 
in the military doesn't mean that you know they want to be a police officer the rest of their lives. It couldn't be farther for the truth for most of them. Um, and so, uh, you know, that's you know, to me, that's the thing that companies have to really think about differently and and think about pathways of getting and taking a look at them differently because this is this is a tough problem in this country. Is how do we get past resumes? Mm. You know, Eric, I mean, what I'm what I'm taking from you, though, is that um, the military itself, when people you know, serve, their skill set may be different, even significantly different than maybe what specifically an employer is looking for. But it's not something that can't be taught. And if you're looking to hire somebody that has that great determination as a problem solver, would be a good team member. Um, those are things that are very difficult to teach people when you hire somebody that has those kinds of skills. Um, you're, you're, you're pretty much on third base at that point, as far as getting them home and teaching them what they got to do the job, which basically means, and again, correct me if I'm wrong, you know, you, we shouldn't be stopping at just the resume. Is that right? I mean, you're, and, and I guess you're encouraging employers to say, listen, you need to talk to these people. Don't just disqualify them because their resume looks like it, it, it doesn't have as much weight as some other resumes. Or, or stop when they say, you know, and, and this is the thing that we work really aggressively with service members is that on the other side of this equation, they're not very good at selling themselves either. Yeah, so, yeah. You know, talking about uh, what the opportunity is and what their passion is and why they think they can get it done to get the job done, you know, that's on them. Um, but, you know, it is a two-way street here and, and the companies really have to think differently you know, there's, even if you're a smaller, medium-sized business, which I, you know, that's a large segment of who we're talking to here, think about reaching out to, you know, uh, the Department of Labor and its apprenticeship program. Apprenticeships are a great way to bring someone in. And apprenticeships aren't limited to, you know, there's this notion that they're simply blue-collar pathways. You Mm -hmm. know, significantly, the Department of Labor has significantly revamped these. So, you know, big companies like uh, Amazon, AWS, is using its apprenticeship pipeline to train service members and others in technical skills. And it's a, it's, and, and a lot of times, you know, these are, you know, off the shelf remedies that companies can bring in that they can mm-hmm. up apprenticeship opportunities, train them for nine months, make sure that they have the skill sets that the person needs. Uh, but we have to think differently about it. And so that, that's my bottom line on that one. Um. Eric, walk me through the process then. So I want to use, you know, hiring your heroes. I want to, um, you know, I'm, I'm looking, I'm thinking of a client right now. They're a manufacturing company. They need some some good people, not only on the production floors, but also management in their facility as well. Um, so I tell them about HowaringOurHeroes.org. What what can they expect to happen next? What, what would be the process be? You know, it, it depends on what they're trying to achieve. And so if they're looking for some, some you know, um, one-off hires, you know, certainly we can help companies, you know, with that. We have great mm-hmm. hiring events nationally. We do most of our events on uh, on military installations. Um, we are, you know, plan to get back full full uh, full steam ahead sometime in September. Uh, that's one pathway. It's a great pathway for companies just looking to hire, you know, floor talent, hourly talent, and a lot of manufacturing facilities, especially if these events are in your local area. The other option is our virtual events. We've seen great turnout from the virtual events. Uh, one thing that we do differently than anyone else, we screen all of our candidates before they even show up at your event at our, at our events. Mm-hmm. Which is that we know that uh, 
they have a, a clear view or a pretty clear view of what they want to do and what they signed up for. So we know the interactions are higher. So if we're doing manufacturing events, they do that. But, you know, I, I'd also, yeah, I'd be remiss. I, I think the best program right now, especially uh, in a race for competitive mid-level talent, is our corporate fellows program and our, our spouse fellows program, which allows us to take active duty service members and place them with companies for up to 12 weeks in an internship program. Hmm. It sounds too good to be true because it is in part because the Department of Defense pays their salary the entire 12 wow. weeks with the company. Hmm. We have 16 programs nationwide. It doesn't matter what size you are. We do you know, ask companies to say, hey, look, you don't have an obligation to hire them, but we want you to give them a fair shake. Sure. Consider them for a position, but we've 85% of our fellows get hired with an average salary of $95,000. And so, you know, for a small or medium sized business that's having trouble looking between the lines on a resume, give them a tryout, give them the 12 weeks, it won't cost you anything. Uh, and 80, 85% likely says that you're going to hire them. <laughs> that's great. That's great. So, Eric, what, um, what companies wouldn't want to hire a vet? I mean, where, you know, where, where would the match not work out? And, you know, why waste everybody's time or, or you know, risk, you know, a bad relationship together? Just, you know, tell me, tell, tell me about your experiences so we can disqualify potential employers. I'm not sure that I can think of anyone that, that you know, um, that would not be a good fit. I mean, okay. if you think about it from an employment opportunity and you're looking for resiliency, People who, you know, beyond just showing up for work, I mean, they will. Um, uh, they're going to work hard. Uh, I don't know of a company in America that doesn't want that talent set. Now, I think some companies um, have some challenges onboarding some service members. Uh, and, um, you know, I think that, um, you know, oftentimes it, it stems from those preconceived notions of what service members are. And over the years, We've seen some places where this has happened in the interview. This happened to me with a company, a medium-sized manufacturing firm a couple of weeks ago who said, hey, look, I don't know if we want to hire all these service members because we think they're all broken. What are you? What does that even mean? What what does that mean? You know, (laughs) have PTSD, are they going to? And I'm like, not not any more so than the general population. And so- course. So, but, but it's this notion that we've sent them all the combat. And so somehow they've come back, you know, um, uh, yeah. Broken. Like, this like, is like, charity. Right. <laughs> That's crazy. Is there, um, you know, hiring a military person, is there any, uh, drawbacks as far as like longer term commitment? Like when you get out of the military, this is my ignorance. There, is there still a commitment to serve, National Guard, continuing service, certain commitments that might take them away from their employers that an employer might think uh, that might be a, you know, a constraint on hiring somebody? You know, if they're coming off active duty, the short answer is no. Um, if they're Guard or Reserve members, which I spent uh, really 20 years in the Guard and Reserve, mm-hmm. uh, is there, there's always a chance that they could get deployed. But <clears throat> I, what I would also say to them, first of all, it's illegal to consider whether they're going to take off that's a lawyer in me again. Good saying. point. No, good point. <laughs> I'm glad you brought that up. But, but you know, I, I, what I would tell you is that even if that lingers in the back of your mind, um, 
you know, if you look at the long-term commitment of, of service members, and I'll tell you, if, if there's a premium related to loyalty and what service members expect of their employers, I don't think it could be any higher because um, loyalty and that commitment to, you know, when people get deployed overseas, these young men and women don't want to go either. Yeah. They know that it's that commitment to their country that's more important. And so for employers that are worried about that, you know, long-term losing someone for nine months or a year on a deployment isn't something you should be afraid of. You should understand from the, the longer term relationship between you and an employee is going to yield more dividends than, than short-term, you know, yep. just, and, you know, I, and that's, it's, you know, the, it, it's, you know, this is especially tough for small businesses when you think about, I got 10 employees and one-tenth of my workforce may get deployed. It's not an easy situation, but there are ways to, to work around that if we're a little bit creative. And, and yes, it, you know, I'd be naive to say it doesn't create some short-term challenges. Mm-hmm. Think about it from the longer impact is my, is, is my take on this. Two final questions. Uh, we've been talking all along about employees, employees, employees. What if a, a, a small business wants to hire a 1099 person or, you know, an independent contractor or, you know, even just a part-time worker? Is that still something that they can talk to you guys about? Oh, absolutely. And, and that, you know, for a lot of military spouses who, um, who are looking for some type of part-time work or are very invested in, in uh, they have their own consulting business, Right. The 99 employees are great solutions uh, for a lot of these companies. Uh, and it does, you know, th- this is especially important when you have some number of employees where, you know, um, you, you know, they, they may move around a little bit more frequently. And so using the 1099 route is, is, is good for a lot of military spouses and they can do some of their consulting work on the side still and still leverage their expertise. Um, even if they may not be physically located where the employer is. Good. Um, final question also is um, hot, you know, hot button and buzzwords for the year is, uh, you know, or acronyms is DEI, diversity, you know, you know, you know, equity and inclusion. And a lot of businesses, particularly smaller businesses, are their awareness of that has really been increasing. A lot of people are looking at them, like what they are doing to have diversity in their workforce and all that. Um, tell me how working with you guys might be able to help solve that problem. We'll amplify it very quickly, your efforts on diversity, equity, and inclusion. If you look at the military population as a whole, mm-hmm. military over-indexes with minorities as compared to the rest of the civilian population. And when you have military spouses in, in the mix as well, from a gender perspective, you get right to where the, you know, the American population is as well. So if you look at all of our programs, whether it's the Corporate Fellows Program, we're seeing a larger percentage of, of, of diverse uh, populations. And part of that's where the military recruits from, right? Mm-hmm. Um, we are, you know, it recruits from, a, um, you know, 85% uh, of service members come from lower and middle income families. Other two thirds of them will be first generation college students when they decide to go to school. So when you think about diversity, equity, and inclusion, you know, I would tell most companies, you certainly need to look at it, you know, from a race and ethnicity and gender point of view. But beyond that, we have to look at it, you know, uh, based on socioeconomic impact as well. From a military perspective, you know, you're giving someone who is more likely than not 
coming from that lower middle income family. They're not the poorest of the poor and they're not the richest of the rich, but they are, you know, again, two thirds first generation college students when they do decide to go to school. So it's a, I think in my view, it's a much broader net uh, to really to pull from as compared to some programs. Eric Eversoll is the president of Hiring Our Heroes. It's www.hiringourheroes.org. Eric, a great conversation. You're doing amazing work. How long have you been there working for these guys? Uh, almost eight years now. Wow, that's a lifetime. Yeah, eight years. So it's been great. It is great. And you're a former attorney and also obviously uh, you, you formerly served and also with the National Guard as well, right? That's right. Well, I retired from the Navy Reserves about a year and a half ago. So uh, yeah. A little more than 23 years in both active and reserve component service. So uh, it was really an honor to do so. That's great. Well, thank you for that and for your service. And thank you for coming on. Uh, this has been a great conversation. Hey, guys, look, if you'd like uh, more information, just go to hiringourheroes.org. If you'd like some advice and tips and help for running your business, please join us at paychecks.com forward slash works. That's W-O-R-X. I hope you've enjoyed listening. My name is Gene Marks, and we will see you again next time. This podcast is property of Paychex Inc. 2021. All rights reserved.